0: 411 live where well, you
1: can learn about issues that affect us every day stay the world. 411 live real people real talk made to help people in our community in every way
0: for your girl. Oh, one, one Wisconsin is a hub for sex trafficking why because you can find cases in all 72 counties Milwaukee is third in the nation for child sex trafficking, and it has also been called the Harvard School for Pimps. And with all of that, the victims, their loved ones, there is a lot of trauma. Thanks for tuning in. This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. I'm Beverly Taylor. We are embarking on a multi-part project that looks into all aspects of sex trafficking and the healing process from that trauma. We are trying to make sure that there is a conversation about this, and the conversation continues. And we also want to bring awareness to this issue. Now, today's topic will be trauma, a trafficker's currency, how they use and capitalize on the trauma of their victims. Throughout this podcast, we want you to be involved, too. We want you to send in your questions, write your questions, and give us comments, and tell us what you think. There is a lot to discuss in this, and I'm not going to do it by myself. I have two fantastic guests joining me. Psychologist Ramel Kwaku. Achoo Fee Smith. How
1: did I do? How you did great. You did great.
0: (laughs) With Blacksmith (laughs) Consulting. And we also have Jolanda Rogers, founder of Talk Consulting. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. We have a lot to talk about, and you too will really um, add a lot to this conversation. First of all, I need to mention that, again, that this is a multi-part project. And just recently, Jolanda, you emceed a portion of this project, a mm-hmm. workshop. Can yeah. you briefly tell me about that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so first of all, this is an amazing movement, the I Dare You to Heal movement sponsored by the 411 Live. And so what we did was we brought community members together and we put the challenge out there. Like, I, I dare you to heal. And in doing that, that means finding someone in the community that has experienced trauma. We brought different organizations together to serve as lighthouses in the community. Like, if you know someone that's in the middle of processing, here are a few counseling clinics that you can go to. Here are other behavioral resources. We also have some churches in the community to support. And then we were so fortunate to have Nancy Yarbrough. Mm-hmm. She is the executive director at Fresh Start right. and just an amazing, amazing, amazing pioneer um, she in has the city. She's an incredible story. She, doesn't she does. So yeah. powerful. And so we had her come and kind of share her story and talk about the different dynamics of trauma. Trauma, what it feels like, what it does to the body mm-hmm. and Dion Rax came and shared some things about the ACEs and just really putting it out there, increasing awareness for right. those in the community because what you don't know, you don't know. But inviting them to the table to help facilitate this dialogue.
0: It was great and you did a wonderful job. Thank you. You really did. Thank you. So we're talking about trauma and trauma is thrown around a lot. So Ramel, just kind of Give me that broad definition of trauma.
1: Well, this is the thing with trauma. Uh, What traumatizes one person may not traumatize another person. So when you look at it, it's very hard to, to define. But when we look at it from a clinical standpoint, it's something that leaves a indelible mark on your hippocampus. And what does that mean? It's something that you've experienced, either experienced directly to you, someone you love or that you've seen that left a negative experience on you. And that negative experience has caused you to do one or two things, either to try to avoid that situation altogether. So sometimes people have triggers and not even mm-hmm. understanding right. what it is. Mm-hmm. or. You can't get away from it. It invades your dreams. It invades your sleep. It invades your everyday just thinking and whatnot like that. You're just bombarded with these thoughts. So when you have a person who's experienced something and then they have this ability to want to avoid anything that reminds them of it, or they have this persisting uh, just uh, thing that that comes in that pops in their mind when they want, those are the signs that we start to say this person can particularly be traumatized. When a traumatic event happens, usually we wait like 30 days before we'll even it because it's in an acute state to see if it happens. Right. But now after that 30 days, if things mm-hmm. continue to persist, that's when we know that it's uh, it, it's an issue. But this is the thing. What's traumatizing to one person might not be traumatizing to another person. And certain things that we think should be traumatizing, some people can walk away mm-hmm. like, like nothing happened. And mm-hmm. then something that we think is minor. That's innocuous could be extremely traumatizing to a person. So we can never tell a person that a specific event or situation that they went to should or should not traumatize
0: them. Right, right. And uh, the other thing, too, and we talk about ACE, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, too, but that adverse um, childhood childhood experience, experience, I guess everybody's had that. No matter what socioeconomic group, what race, what ethnicity Mm -hmm. or whatever, we've all had that. Something within our childhood that had some kind of effect on us.
2: For sure. And I think one of the biggest things is you are absolutely right. Everybody has experienced trauma. What's traumatic for one person isn't traumatic for the other. But how that trauma is then handled Mm -hmm. and resolved and addressed really has just that major impact on how the individual continues to function throughout life, what their different vulnerabilities end up being. And I think that's something we really have to look at when we talk about just human trafficking and right. some of the trauma that's considered currency for that. I, I think that if some of those things are handled and addressed, mm-hmm. like it doesn't really become currency, you know?
0: Right, right. And then, you know, depending on the experience that a victim had earlier, before before the trafficking, that kind of, um, that plays a role in their vulnerability to be a victim. Mm-hmm. I was thinking um, about my own personal experience. Not too long ago, we had a 14-year-old to come into our home, and we were going to help. You know, there were some fa- family issues, so we were going to help, and she was going to stay with us. And we went through that honeymoon phase. Everything was good, really nice. And then things turned, and I saw anger. Hmm. This was an angry teenage girl. And so we— kind of talked about it or whatever, and then it hit me, and I looked at her, and I saw me. I was an angry teenage girl because my parents went through a horrific divorce, um, and I took it really hard. You know, that was years ago. I thought I was over all of that, but then I started to really look at that And how I dealt with it back then, you know, closing myself off, not letting a lot of people in, not trusting too many people, you know, that kind of thing. And then I started thinking about my life now. And I thought, you know, I do sometimes put that wall up. And I know where that came from. So now that I know with this awareness, I can work on that. Mm -hmm. But you just don't know what that from back there is doing to you today sometimes, right? For sure.
1: And so, ironically, that's how the ACE study actually started. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they weren't doing a study on adverse childhood experiences. They were doing a study uh, with some, some white ladies who were obese, and they were having trouble losing weight and they couldn't figure out why they couldn't lose the weight no matter what they were doing and so as they started to you know ask them questions and ponder and things of that nature what they started to recognize is it went deeper into their childhood and so if you look at the ace it's not only about mental health issues but it's also physical health issues mm-hmm, yeah. also extreme behaviors and mm-hmm. whatnot like that and so once they started to put all these things together they said wow this this is more than just this right here right. and then when they did it on the, the whole the study this robust study of over 17,000 people what they stated is wow if you you have more than four of the 10 ACEs, you become extremely vulnerable for other uh, life issues. And one of the things uh, at the tip of the iceberg is early death, but it's because of all of the extreme things that you do before. So now let's take that in combination. As we speak about human trafficking, Mm -hmm. the average uh, child pedophile will uh, molest over 300 people in their life. Are you kidding me? The average child molester, Will average over 117 and so we have to differentiate between that because a child molester is a person who will still have sex with adults but still also mess with children and uh that's sort of like jerry sandusky because people say he was married he had a family mm-hmm. and whatnot. how mm-hmm. can he do it? but a pedophile is that person who is strictly
2: towards children
1: towards children yeah. but now this is the thing if they can have that many victims why is it because people don't say anything. And we talk about what things swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. We talk mm-hmm. about currency mm-hmm. that people can use. So when something happens specifically in the family, we're not going to talk about this. What happens in the house stays in the house. We're not going to talk about It's almost like it didn't happen. And now when you have that person who was abused, they become more likely to be abused as an adult. They become more likely to be involved in domestic violence. They be, be, become more likely to be involved in other type of behaviors that are very risky. So that goes right into the ACE. But a person who is a trafficker understands that. Mm-hmm. And they play on that. Right. So they first come in as a friend to help you to talk about things that was never talked about before. But then they find out all of your secrets and all of your vulnerabilities and then they flip it and use it against you.
0: And you know, sometimes we have, say, a 21 or 25 year old who becomes a victim of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And people from the outside look at that and go, 25 years old, how could she become a victim of sex trafficking? Well, you don't know what all of this she's carrying with her mm-hmm. and what that trafficker saw and what that trafficker just eased right in to take care of and to stroke and to just weave her Yeah, I mean, in. and see, yeah. when we
1: say traffickers, I, I want us to make sure that we give a full umbrella of trafficking mm-hmm. because it's not just that the quote-unquote pimps that do that. We, we look in mm-hmm. our society, there's many traffickers. Yeah. You look at our government, just honestly, who are they taking it young Men and women Mm -hmm. that they can shape because from just neuropsychology teaches us that the brain, the prefrontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex does not fully develop till you're 25 to 28. So between that time, even though you're granted adulthood at 18 years old, this emancipation. It's not a real emancipation from a psychological standpoint. So if your prefrontal cortex, and that's the part that deals with problem solving, decision making, being able to have delayed gratification doesn't really kick in until you till you till you're about 25 to 28. And that's why mm-hmm. we see that big jump in maturity from different people. Traffickers understand that, too. And so a person who's 23, 24 in the eyes of man, we see them as an adult. But biologically, this person is still growing into who they're going to be for their adult brain.
2: Absolutely. And just listening to you reflect on that. And we think about the brain development. So one part of what I do through talk is inner healing counseling. And a lot of what I see is that people come in with trauma that's time released. So it's always Mm -hmm. been there, but then they have a child. And the child turns four and something in them begins to remember I was abused at four. And so then you have all of these feelings begin to emerge. And at that moment, if a trafficker identifies that, wait, there's a hole there and that person begins to seek that validation to seek the affirmation to seek that healing that they're looking for. No, it may not have happened when they were 12. But just that time release of events, and especially for women when they have children, if they're girls, when that child begins to hit that age that they were abused, and i can even say for myself i have three daughters Mm. and because i work with a lot of women i was able to start to identify what was happening in me so i have a five-year-old eight-year-old and a 14-year-old and each of those ages have been pivotal in my life in terms of sexual abuse so the other thing is, too, when we talk about the ACEs and just, just talk about that score, just that element of resiliency. Mm-hmm. So he mentioned um, just how the trauma is like that, that gateway and that there is the higher probability of being trafficked, of being in a DV relationship. I did a training with a social service agency here, and I shared my story with them. I didn't tell them it was my story, but I read it. And then I said, so let's talk about. What does this person's life look like? And they began to say, oh, she was probably definitely, you know, a victim of sex trafficking, um, no opportunity for post-secondary education in a DV relationship. And they just gave all of these things that would be typical for the history. And so then when I revealed that's actually my story. And so none of those things are necessarily a part of my journey. And there was just like this. <gasps> right. In the room. So how do we get to people with that depth of trauma and dare them to heal so that the access that a trafficker would have to tap into those wounds is no longer there? Very good. Very good.
0: We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We have much more to talk about. Continue to uh, give us your comments. Tell us what you think. Questions. We welcome that. We'll be right back. Stay with us. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now, here's your food for thought.
1: Why is he talking to you like that? Private.
0: As parents, we all want to give our kids space. But how often do we consider their phone conversations or their social media accounts? As much as it may annoy them, occasionally monitoring their profiles isn't a bad idea. The world of sex trafficking is a lot more alluring than you may think. Anyone can be vulnerable to the tricks used to exploit millions of girls and boys each year.
1: It's a horrifying experience, and it isn't
0: easy to talk about. Well, I always keep my eyes open. It's never too early to educate your kids on the issue of sex trafficking. For more information, visit the411live.org.
1: Honey, if
2: you look at that phone one more time over dinner, you won't finish your meal. Perfect. It was nasty anyway. What do you think of 41% of all Americans between 13 and 17 years old using Snapchat? Not worried? What if I told you Snapchat is the perfect platform
0: for sex trafficking? He wants my body over Snapchat. What should I do?
2: It's not like the picture is forever, they self destruct. If you want to do it, I don't see why not. Does it make me look bad though? He's offering you $100 for a picture. Easy money, girl. Snapchat made the 2016 Dirty Dozen list because of Snapcash and how it encourages
1: sexual exploitation. Your children could be exploited on Snapchat and sex traffickers are monitoring.
2: Are you? For more
0: information, visit the 411live.org. Welcome back. We are continuing our discussion on trauma, a trafficker's currency, how they capitalize on their victim's trauma. Again, joining me, psychologist Ramel Kwaku Atrophy-Smith, I always take it slow, yes. uh, with Blacksmith Consulting, and Jolanda Rogers, uh, founder, um, executive director, yes. the whole <laughs> bit of talk consulting. Mm-hmm. Thank you both again for joining us. We stopped and we were talking about the victims um, and talking about them with children and things like that. And what popped into my head, too, when we talk about the trauma of the victim and then the children and the children reach a pivotal age that the victim remembers from their own childhood and the snowball effect. And the fact is, a lot of the sex trafficking victims have children and they have children while they're being trafficked. Mm -hmm. And I've seen uh, statistics saying maybe three as an average children. So the children are in play, and if their ages, as you mentioned, trigger something in that victim, man, it's snowballing, because how is that child reacting to their mother's reaction to them? Right. It's, you know, it's all psychological here. Well,
1: even biologically, you speak of it. If you talk about um, any horrendous activity, you think about the Middle Passage or you think about the Holocaust or internment camps. Uh, When a woman is pregnant with a girl, she's actually pregnant with her granddaughter also because that girl has all of her eggs in in her at the time of conception. Mm-hmm. And most people don't understand that. So that's three generations right now that's being affected. So when we talk about how DNA is altered, when we talk about how different things happen, that's that epigenetic above the DNA that causes different things. So now there's a propensity. We always talk about genetic predispositions and whatnot mm-hmm. for different things to come out where they're easier. But also when we start to talk about parents and they go through certain certain things, sometimes we, we bury things in our subconscious and we don't remember and then when something happens at that time, it's it's like weird to see, because a person can be at work and they can function as a 28-year-old. But then they get to a different situation and they function like a six-year-old. And they mm-hmm. say, why well, don't you act your age? But what it is, sometimes people are caught in a state of arrested development because yeah. something happened mm-hmm. and it stopped their growth from that time and it was just shut down. And from a subconscious thing, it's a protective feature because if you think about it, it can be too painful to deal with. Right. And so when you're reminded of it, you have two options. Mm-hmm. I can deal with it and try to heal and try to go or I could bury it deeper where I don't want to. And what happens so oftentimes with a lot of our families, with a lot of men and women who've been molested, once they find out about molestation, they can't even talk about it. And the reason why they don't want to talk about it is because it would bring other things up from them. So having things like I dare you to heal these type Mm -hmm. of movements, let people know that there is hope, because a lot of times, You talk about the responders, which was just absolutely wonderful. Most people get shut down when they say something. Then they learn to be quiet, and that's Mm -hmm. why they become multiple victims. But if that first responder can say, hey, I don't want this to happen to you. Maybe this is the time we can heal together. But I understand it really is light at the end of the tunnel. Then people become more likely and open for different sources. But most of the time, people would go places, and and they didn't get help. In fact, it would Mm -hmm. get worse. And so they learn to just be quiet, not to talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So...
0: Yeah, and that silence, that festers. Yes. Oh, yes. It causes all these things to yes. fester and it gets worse.
2: Hence, talk. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, tell your story, accept your truth, learn your identity, know your strength. My life drastically changed when I realized the power of my voice and the power of sharing my story and the power of understanding that I now have control over the decision of whether or not I'll be silent. And so what's crazy is that growing up, my cousins would sing, you know, the homeboy song, you talk too much, right? (laughs) Yeah. So um, no pun intended, I've used it and and now it's a business. So thank you. (laughs) Um, But the reality was I didn't talk enough. And culturally, we're taught the whole thing, what goes on in our house, stays on in our house, stays in our house. Um, and then that responder, if they have been traumatized mm. and they are the first one to witness or to hear of a child's traumatic experience, they don't even have the capacity to respond to that child with what they need because all sorts of things start happening in them um, as they're looking at, at at themselves and sometimes it's a shutdown. sometimes it's you know nothing's wrong and one of my experiences the person that I told like there was evidence of abuse and they threw the evidence away wow yeah and so for a while I, I didn't understand you know like what that meant but I learned to them throwing away meant that it didn't happen And that it was over and and that it was done. And so for me, having that experience with the first responder said that when things happen, you throw them away, they're done, you sweep them under the rug, and then you keep going. So when I address the situation with the responder, the first question I ask is, are you okay? Good. And that's important that's so good. that you have the capacity to respond when you need to. And if you're not okay, how do you set what's in you aside to deal with the trauma that's in front of
0: you? That's good. Yeah, That's very good. So how do you, because when we talk about trauma, going back to the whole trauma thing, um, there are different aspects. Some call it, um, I heard of the trauma bonds, you know, the, the victim becomes a survivor, and they've stepped out, but then they go back. And there is that—I I think some of it has to do with being trafficked at a young age, possibly not getting their schooling, not having a lot of resources, and thinking, okay, this is hard, but I know what it's like here. So I'll just go back. That trauma bond thinking, okay, that trafficker understands me. Mm -hmm. That's a psychological thing, too. No doubt
1: about it. I mean, it's. Even if you're not a spiritual person, is biblical. You think about when uh, the Hebrews uh, left um, Egypt. Right. They started mm-hmm. complaining. That's they good. said, "We right. want the cucumbers, and we want this." Right. But you wanted the whip. <laughs> <laughs> were under the... But it was like it was those little yeah. bitty things. And what you also have to remember is, that from a psychological standpoint, is what we call Stockholm syndrome. Yes. And if mm-hmm. we've all seen, mm-hmm. you know, Denzel movie, we we, we love Denzel. And remember when his son needed a kidney and he said, I'll die for my son. But he kept people hostage and he (laughs) kept the hospital. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we fell in love with him because it was still something appealing about what he wanted to do. And what people don't understand that most traffickers are beautiful. You know, they're, 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 they're very charming. It's a false charm, but Mm -hmm. for a person who hasn't had anything, it's there and it pulls you in. And guess what? Like you said, I have bought you some food. I have listened to you. I have let you cry on my shoulders. I have protected you during certain things. So it's like a kind of paradox. It's like, Mm -hmm. I like you, even though I know you're not good for me, but... They didn't do anything because the, the, the um, trafficker can now tell you lies and convince you and spoil you about the people who really love you. They weren't really there for you. That's why you were with me in the first place. What do you think they're going to do? They're not going to love you right. now, especially mm-hmm. after you've been through all of this. So it puts them in that state. As soon as one of those things when they leave comes true, they say he was right. She was right. Yeah. Mm. And then I go back because it's what we become creatures of habit It's what I know. And then if people in my family who I love, but maybe they look at me a little different now because mm-hmm. what I've been, who wants to be around that? Look at it like prison. We call it institutionalization. Yeah. Person is in jail for 10 years. And he's, you know, I'd just rather be in jail. I feel more comfortable in prison. Right. I yeah. feel in front mm-hmm. more comfortable because when I go into the out. I got to wake up on my own. I got to cook my own meals, like stuff we, we think about. Like, that makes me great. think of Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And, but but it's that whole same mm-hmm. thing. It's institutionalize you. It's like I'm, I'm brainwashing you. I'm getting you ready for this. So even if you experience something good, it's something out of your comfort zone that you don't know. And even if our comfort zone is filled with dysfunction, it's what we know. So we like home. So even if home is dysfunctional, dysfunctional means what? I feel a little safe. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. And yeah, there are some people like that. I talk with, they can't live in peace if things are quiet and nothing's going to create chaos. They will create chaos. Absolutely. They need a They need an element of drama. They need something to feel safe and to feel normal because their life, what has been normal for them
0: is trauma. And I mean, think about it.
1: I I, I grew up uh, in an era where men could hit women. You know, Mm -hmm. and it was acceptable. In fact, I I remember hearing some of the older women in my family say, if that man don't hit you, he don't love you. Mm -hmm. And so when that woman got hit, even though it was dysfunctional, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, okay, he loves me enough where he's jealous or he loves me enough where he cares. And and I took him to an extreme. And then where women would even say, well, I pushed him here. I shouldn't have did that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you make those excuses. But we drill those things into some of our children's head too. Mm -hmm. And even nowadays there's some things that's being drilled where we say, Wow, I can't believe that. But not only do we have to contend with our family's possible dysfunction, when Mm -hmm. we look at the dysfunction of the media, whether it's the video games, whether it's the songs, whether it's the movies, the films, television programs, things of that nature, it's so many things that our young people are inundated with. That's not as censored as it was when we were growing up. Where now their thinking is in a whole different process. And as we said, the brain, if it doesn't fully develop until you're between 25 and 28, Mm -hmm. they're getting that information, but how they process it is so completely different.
0: That is so true. You know, when I was a kid, it was go outside and play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were out. Yeah. These kids, a lot of these kids do not do that. No. No. No, that is not part of it.
2: Yeah. And people uh, around me, you know, in my extended circle feel that we parent differently Mm -hmm. because I have dialogues with my children. There isn't a what I say goes, you know, if something comes up, I want to tell me a little bit more about that, because then I learn what they're hearing and what's coming into them from those different media influences and such. And even when you talk about just that whole element of going outside, it's like, no, go. Out. There's a backyard with the gate, but technology and just the accessibility to it, which is again currency for pimps because they get access to them and young people find something that's attractive or they feel, you know, loved or Mm -hmm. cared about or somebody is interested in what's going on. And Nancy shared at the event on Sunday, Mm -hmm. she talked about the roller coaster experience. And you mentioned why do women go back? Like if they get out of it and they go back, that sense of safety. And then somehow they begin to think that I'm in control of what's happening. But like they're I not. made that choice. I I made that this I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. Right. And not this is what I'm being trafficked to do. But in a roller coaster, she talked about how you know it's gonna drop, you're going to feel sick, you may wanna throw up, you're gonna feel all of those anxieties, those biochemical changes, you you know, but you get on anyway. And then when you get off, you're like, "Woo, let's go get back in line Mm -hmm. to try it again. And that's literally some of the the processes that people experience. That that just blew me away.
0: I was talking to an assistant U.S. attorney once, and um, she gave me um, some examples because she prosecutes a lot of sex traffickers. And she was telling me that one of them told told her about the, the mall visit. You know, going to the mall, seeing a group of girls together, watching those girls, seeing how they interact, looking for that girl who's kind of in the back, who doesn't talk as much, who isn't as into it. And he's going to walk up to those girls and say something to them, like, hey, or you look nice. Now the girl who's, you know, she's okay and she's, Self-confident, she might give him a look, walk away, or thanks, and go on. But that girl who's vulnerable, who's needing some affirmation, she's going to look at him and thank you. Mm -hmm. She's going to look down. And that's the one he's going to go after because he sees that vulnerability.
1: And so we also have to understand it's even more intricate than that. Because what they've become smarter is, as you talk about the mall experiences, they'll have a young girl in middle school to become a recruiter. Yep. Yeah. I've heard and of that. so, you know, you have all your friends and, and they'll see what you have. And in a materialistic mm-hmm. world, we, what, we want this. I, I would like to have that. I, I want those, those finer things. Well, how did you get it? Uh, I worked at a middle school, did some work with the middle school. And it was a mother who came complaining. She was like, I send my daughter to school every day. Why does she have all of these absences? And they said, We have her here. No, she's here first and second hour and seventh and eighth hour. But from third mm. through sixth, she was gone. And what she was doing is she was leaving, going to the trap house. And what she would do is periodically bring another one of her friends with her and they would, the traffickers would make money off of them during the school day, send them back like nothing had happened. So it's happening like right in broad daylight. So when you talk about like the mall experience what we have to look and see is because they understand when an older person is around that, it, you're going to get a, a different look from some people and maybe the police in the mall or, or a conscious person yeah. or whatnot like that. But so they become so sophisticated where they say, hey, let me put my person to infiltrate that's right inside of this group and to recruit for me so when we talk about recruiters and you talk about that choice and control i'm not being manipulated i'm the one doing the manipulating i got her to mm-hmm. come not understanding it's a pyramid kind of a scheme if wow. you will and whatnot and they're in the middle of it and because they are so young they are so delible they are so prone to want attention or to want some material thing these are some ways in which you can get caught up in the game
0: that's scary what you just said. Middle school. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: I mean, the average age was 13. And, I, right? and and that's for sex trafficking. I mean, we haven't even begun to talk about, you know, uh, uh, trafficking as far as workers and for soldiers, for field work and things of that nature. Right. This is much larger than just sex trafficking. This is just one area of, that, of that, human that, trafficking. Is what yeah. we're right. talking about.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. So what, what do we do? It's a big issue. Mm-hmm. But there are things that, that we can do. As a community, maybe to help these folks not be so vulnerable, maybe to give them the encouragement that they need. Absolutely. Maybe it be that that voice for them, whereas they don't need it so much for that trafficker that comes in there.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're being honest, it's going to be difficult, but nothing's impossible. Uh, when you look at how much money trafficking brings in worldwide, mm-hmm. over $32 billion a year, and that was 2014. I don't know if they've released anything newer since then, but from all of the, um, the, the, the uh, Polaris stats and whatnot like that, they still use that number, $32 billion. Mm-hmm. So that's just right under guns and drugs. And so when you start to think about that type of illegal business, you say, how do you stop that when the biggest day of human trafficking in the world is the Super Bowl? You know, when you start to think about how many people are involved in it. and, And if we're just being really totally honest, you say, how do we do it? Well, a lot of our police officers are involved in trafficking. They 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 take a wink uh, a wink an eye to it. They participate in it. Mm-hmm. So when you have people in high places who are supposed to be doing a protecting, who are actually involved, it makes it very difficult. So what it what it entails is that everybody who is a citizen, who is caring, who is concerned, say I might not be able to stop it all, but as Dana World Patterson says, she said one less. What can we do to keep doing everything we can? Mm-hmm. But when you have something that this big. You have to have something extremely revolutionary. I mean, you think about even like prohibition when the, the nation seemed to have a bit of a soul for a second to say at least we're going to stop alcohol. But what happened? The underground thing went so so large. Well, then what happened? The government said, hey, we, we can make money from this right? too. Yeah. And so the question becomes, well, when does this become Amsterdam? When does this become parts of Las Vegas and whatnot like that mm-hmm. where it can be regulated? And we've already seen it in what? strip clubs, because that's a part of trafficking where it comes. But these are legally governmented,
0: regulated, Mm -hmm, funded mm -hmm. programs. That is so true.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're doing right here, having these tough conversations, um, being willing to say that I'm not going to stand by and just, you know, be okay with it, which is, again, in the message, the responder series, I call on every adult to be a responder to childhood trauma. Um, because if we are responding appropriately when things happen, we are reducing the probability of them being I sucked say. in to these types of behaviors, into trafficking, into just having a life that's just filled with mental health issues and early death and some of the other things, um, health concerns right. and the whole fibromyalgia thing that's just like a huge uptick um, in which... I. It's basically overactive nerves. And so when I talk to people that saying like, they're having issues with fibromyalgia, the first thing I ask them is, what's getting on your nerves? Interesting. Let's, <laughs> let's talk a, talk about that. But, I mean, it's been willing to have these conversations. I really, I really think it is in charging adults to be responsible, not just for what's in your house, but for what's in the community.
0: I'm going to stop you right there. We've run out of time, but— because we have so much more to talk about, we're gonna do a part two. So please stay tuned for that. Um, first of all, before we leave, if someone, you know, they may not get to the part two, mm-hmm. if they want to get in touch with you guys, how do they go about doing that?
1: I mean, you can call me at 414-501-3622, 501-3622, or visit the website at B-L-A-Q-U-E-S-M-I-T-H.com, B-L-A-Q-U-E-S-M-I-T-H.com.
2: com. right. And if you need to talk and want to get a conversation started, you can reach out to me at talkconsulting.net um, and like us on Facebook and just check us out.
0: All right. So... This has been great. I hope you have enjoyed it. I hope you have gotten something from it. I hope you have uh, rendered your comments, your questions. Tell us what you think, because we really, really want to know. I want to thank my guests, psychologist Romel Kwaku Achufi, Smith, <laughs> and Jolanda, uh, Rogers. You guys have been great, and because you're so great, we're gonna do part two, so stick around. Now, uh, we will put a lot of the information on this topic on our website, and that's wwwthe 411 liveorg You can also check us out at Facebook, IGTV, you can go to Twitter, the YouTube channel, we're everywhere. Now, this is a nonprofit organization. We're trying to do a lot of things and We do need your help. So if you feel so led, we would welcome you to make a donation to this organization. Just go to our website because we think this is a very important topic and you can be a partner with us. And we would like that. So there will be lots of podcasts. We want you to continue to check us out. Talk to us. Leave your comments. And if you have suggestions of a topic that you would like us to address, let us know that. We really want to know. Again, the website, www.the411live.org. So, this is the 411 Live podcast. Real people, real talk. We'll see you next time.
2: Coming up next on the 411 Live.
1: A lot of times in speaking specifically of me... Uh, young boys are molested and but when they're molested by women they don't think of it as molestation they think about i've grown into manhood this this pseudo rights of passage this fraudulent rights right of passage mm-hmm. right away but not understanding what that does to them